Mesechus Maisus Perik Hamish Nagimel until Perik Hamish Nevolv. The halach is that one is not allowed to sell untithed produce, tevel, to somebody else. In case the buyer won't separate tithes, he might assume that the seller had already done it, and he will end up doing the Aveira of eating tevel. However, one is allowed to sell somebody else a field if the produce in the field has not yet reached its Oynas HaMaisres. At the beginning of the Masech, we discussed Oynas HaMaisres, which is the stage in a produce's growth where it becomes produce which needs to be tithed. So if produce is harvested before its Oynas HaMaisres, it does not need to be tithed. If it is harvested after its Oynas HaMaisres, that means that the produce grew enough to be obligated in Maisres. So if the produce in one's field has not yet reached its own Samaitras, then you can sell it to somebody else because the buyer would definitely not assume that you've tithed it already because it's impossible to tithe it before the Enesamaisras. The question of our Mishnah is what about selling somebody else a field which contains produce still attached to the field, but that produce has passed the Enesamaisras? Says the Mishnah, One is not allowed to sell his fruit, his produce, even if it's attached to the ground, once the produce has reached its Enesamaisras. However, you're only not allowed to sell it to somebody who is not trusted with regards to Maestras. This person is known as an Amha'aretz, somebody who is ignorant and therefore he is not really trusted with regards to the tithes, and sometimes an Amha'aretz wouldn't tithe the produce. So once the produce has reached the Onus HaMaestras, you're not allowed to sell the Amha'aretz that field in case the Amha'aretz will come to eat Tevel, and you will have caused his Avera. On a similar note, Vilobashavias, one is also not allowed to sell a field during the Shmita year, Lamisho Khoshalashavias, to somebody who is suspected of not keeping the laws of Shmita properly. Once the produce has reached the Onasamaisras, that is also the stage at which they would gain the sanctity and the holiness of Shmita produce, and Shmita produce cannot just be used in any way. There are guidelines for how one is allowed to use Schmittel produce. So if you sell this field with Schmittel produce to somebody who you know does not necessarily keep those laws properly, you will be causing him to do the Avera of treating Schmittel produce in a forbidden way. However, it is implicit in the Mishnah that as long as the produce is still attached to the ground, you would be allowed to sell that to somebody who is not suspected of breaking these laws. Whereas once the produce is detached from the ground, then it is forbidden even to somebody who you know keeps the laws properly. And as we explained, that's because you might forget or you might think that you already tithed them, and therefore you cannot sell him detached produce which is untithed. Now the Mishnah ends off that by telling us that in Bikru, if some of the produce which is attached to the ground ripened a bit earlier, or it grew a bit quicker, so that means that part of the produce had reached its own Samaistras, but the other part of the produce had not yet reached its own The Mishnah says, You're allowed to take and uproot the produce which has already reached the own and then you'll be left with a field full of produce which has not yet reached the Onus So you could then sell the rest of the field even to an Amha'aretz because, like we said before, if the produce in a field has not yet reached the Onus then you're even allowed to sell it to an Amha'aretz. Now the reason for this is because you're not considered to be causing him to do the Avera, since when you give him the field, it's not even obligated in Maestras. So it could be that the Amha'aretz will end up not separating Maestras and eating Tevel. But we don't consider you to be causing that, since when you gave him the field, it wasn't even obligated in Maestras, and therefore you have nothing to do with his Avera of eating Tevel. Mr. Dalad, when one harvests produce such as grain, although most of the grain which they want is separated out from the straw and the chaff which they don't want, in most cases, 
some of the desired good parts of the grain would be left behind and mixed with the straw. Now that in itself is fine. One would not need to tithe the straw, which is mixed with the good parts of the wheat or the good parts of the grain, because it's only if you're going to eat it that you'll need to tithe it. However, if you do plan on removing the good parts of the grain from the straw, then you would be obligated to tithe that good grain, because now it is fit and likely to be eaten. So the Mishnah says, One is not allowed to, to sell his straw, which has some of this grain mixed in with it, or the parts of olives which are not the oil itself, so the skins or the pips, and there would usually be some oil left within these things. So if somebody was desperate, they could get oil from the skins or the pips of the olives, versus agov. And you also can't sell grape skins, which again, you could technically extract some juice from that grape skin. So you're not allowed to sell any of these things, to somebody who is not trusted, somebody who does not observe the laws of Maestras. If that person says that he is buying it in order to get the juices from the grapes, or in order to get the oil from the olives, or to get the grain from the straw. Because if that is what he will do, then he'll be obligated to tithe that which he extracts from, these, from the straw or from the olives or grapes. And the seller would not have tied them before, because one only ties these things if he removes them from the straw, from the grapes or olives. So if you sell that to him and you know he's going to do that, you're causing him to possibly eat untithed produce. And therefore you are not allowed to sell it to him. And the Mishnah really explains this by telling us that if somebody does take out the grain from the straw, or the juices and the oil from the olives or the grapes, then Chaibemeisters is obligated to tithe that part, because it is only now fit for eating. Now the Mishnah adds that Upotarunatruma, he is exempt from separating truma from this new grain or oil or grape juice. Now why is truma any different to Meiser? Shahatoyim, because one who separates truma originally from the entire mixture of grain, Beliboy, in his intention, in his thoughts, when he is separating that truma, al-hakutoim, he intends that it should cover also those stalks of grain which weren't threshed properly, al-hatsadodim, the stalks which were left on the side of the piles, they weren't piled up properly, and for the grain which was mixed with the straw, which means that even originally when he separated the truma, it did cover this grain. So if you later separate the grain from the straw, and the same would apply to the grapes or the olives, you would not need to separate truma again, because the original truma covered that as well. Now the obvious question is, why when he originally separated truma for the entire thing, did it cover what would later be taken out? Whereas when he separated mysa originally, it does not cover what will eventually be taken out of the gray of the straw, or of the olives or the grapes. And the answer is a very fundamental difference between truma and the rest of the maestras. The rest of the maestras, such as maestrisha, which goes to a levy, the Torah says what amount it is. The Torah says a tenth of your produce you give to a levy. And therefore you have to separate a precise amount. So since you don't know how much grain is mixed in with a straw, you're not able to separate the maestras for that grain. On the other hand, trimmer, which the Torah specifically says is not an exact amount, it's an approximation, roughly one fiftieth of the produce, so since it's only an approximation, you can estimate how much grain is in with mixed within the straw, and when you originally separate the truma, separate with the mind that it should cover that as well. Mishnah Hey, the lands which David HaMelech conquered before conquering the entire Eretz Yisrael are known as Surya. Now Surya comes up many times throughout Shas, and in some regards it's treated in the same as Eretz Yisrael, 
whereas in other regards it's considered like chutzloyetz, outside of Eretz Yisrael. Now the general halacha is that a Jew who owns a field in Surya does need to tie this produce, but if a non-Jew owns the field in Surya, then even if a Jew buys his produce, he will be exempt from tithing it. The Mishnah discusses halikers deyork basurya, one who buys a field of vegetables, and the same would apply to any other field, in Surya from a non-Jew. Says the Mishnah, if he buys it from the non-Jew, before the produce has grown to the point of its onasamaisras, which is the stage in a plant's growth at which it becomes obligated in maisras. So that means that the Jew owns it at the time that it becomes obligated in maisras, and therefore Chayev, he will be obligated when it comes to harvesting that produce, he will be obligated to tithe it. However, and here comes the point of the Mishnah, if the Jew only buys the field from the non-Jew after the produce has reached the Enosamaisras, that means that at the time that the field became obligated in Maisras, it belonged to a non-Jew. So it never became obligated at that time. And says the Mishnah Potter, the Jew will be exempt from tithing it, since at the time where the obligation began, a non-Jew owned it. So even if a Jew owns it later on in its growth, it does not become obligated, because it can only become obligated in Maestras at the Onas HaMaestras stage. And the Mishnah adds that He's allowed to gather and harvest the produce in his regular manner, meaning even if the plants grow a lot whilst in the Jew's ownership, and he only harvests it much later on, nevertheless he will still be exempt, since at the time of the Onas HaMaestras it belonged to a non-Jew. Now according to the Tanakama, who said that he can harvest the field in his regular way, the Tanakama holds that he is not allowed to hire other workers in order to harvest the field. Why not? So the Mephoshim explained that according to the Tanakama, we are concerned about the following. If we allow this person not to tithe the produce because he bought the field after the Onasamaisras, people may come to not tithe their produce when they buy it from any non-Jew in Surya even if they bought it before the Enesamaisras. It's a very small difference, and because of that concern, the Tanakama says that we need to remind this person that this case is different, that it's an unusual case, and he shouldn't apply this case to other cases. And because of that, we say that whereas usually you would hire workers to harvest your field, in this case you can only harvest it yourself, and that should serve as a reminder for you that it's specifically in this case, which is an unusual case, that you do not need to harvest the field. But in another case, where let's say you would buy the field from the Jew, from the non-Jew before the Onesimaisras, then you would be obligated to tithe it as usual. So that's the Tanakam's opinion. However, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, we're not concerned about that, and therefore, after Yisko Pran the Yilkite, he is even allowed to hire other workers in order to harvest the field with him, or for him. Now, Rabbi Gamliel argues with another point of the Tanakama. When are these words said that if one buys a field from a non-Jew in Surya before the Onas HaMaisras, he's obligated to tie the produce? That's only with Vanshekon Karka. If he bought the land with the produce, so that means that he owned the field during the Onas HaMaisras, and therefore he's obligated to tie the produce. However, says in a time, in a situation, where he did not buy the land together with the produce, so he bought produce from the non-Jew, while it's still attached to the ground, but he did not buy the land with it. That means you've got produce owned by a Jew, growing in a non-Jewish field in Surya. And according to and Gamliel, even in that case, one is exempt from tithing produce, because it all depends on who owns the land. So since a non-Jew owns the land, and it's in Surya, the produce will remain exempt from Maestras, even though a Jew owns the produce. So therefore, imagine a bottle in some Maestras, 
even if he buys the produce before the Onesimaestra is potter, he will be exempt from tithing it since he, the Jew does not own the land. Now so far in our Mishnah we had the Tanakama's opinion, and then he was argued upon by Rabbi Yehuda on one point, and Mishim ben Gamliel on another point, and now Rebbe is going to argue on the Tanakama on another point. And that is, according to the Tanakama, it all depends on who owned the field at the time of the Onesimaestra's. If the Jew owned it then, then it will be obligated in Maestras on the entire field. And if the non-Jew owned it then, then the Jew will be exempt from separating Maestras on the entire field. Now Rebbe says, why are you looking at one moment in the field's growth? Rebbe, um, Rebbe says, after Fichesbein, he ties it according to the calculation. Meaning, if let's say, the Jew bought it from the non-Jew after the produce had grown a third of its growth. So that means for the third, first third of the growth, he will be exempt because a non-Jew owned it then. But for the second two-thirds of the field's growth, the Jew owned it, and therefore according to Rebbe, in that situation, he would separate Maestras for two-thirds of the produce. So that is Rebbe's opinion on this case. The mission is going to discuss a drink called Temed. Now Temed was a type of wine, but it was not as good quality as regular wine, because the way Temed was made was that the dregs and the sediment, the hard parts of the wine which are left at the bottom of a bottle or a barrel of wine, would be mixed with water, and the water would absorb the taste of wine from this wine sediment, the hard parts of the wine. Now the question is, is this mixture, this Temed, is that considered water with some wine flavouring, such that it would have the laws of water, for example, the bracha would be a shahakal, or is it considered wine which has just been diluted by some water? So the answer is, it depends how much water there is, and how much wine there is, the proportions. And the basic halacha, at least according to our Mishnah, is that if there are at least one third of the mixture wine, then it is considered wine. Because anyway, usually people would dilute wine with water, so this is just considered to be diluted wine. But if less than a third of the temed is wine, then it would be considered water. So the Mishnah says, I'm a Samid, one who makes this mixture of Temed, Venosan, Mein, Bamidah, and he puts a certain measurement, a certain amount of water in the mixture, he mixes that with the sediment, and he finds the exact same amount of Temed. Meaning once he's gone through the whole process and he's mixed it with the sediment, and then removed the hard sediment, there is exactly the same amount of Temed as water which was added. Which implies that really no real wine has been added to the water, because the amount of water has not increased. There might be a bit of a flavouring of wine, but at the end of the day, the volume of the water has not increased, which implies that no wine has been added. And therefore, Potter will be exempt from tithing that, just like one is exempt from tithing water. However, Rabbi Yehuda Machayev, Rabbi Yehuda says that you are chayev to tithe that, and the reason for Rabbi Yehuda is that it's simply not true to assume that the water did not absorb any of the wine. Because if you think about it, if the sediment was removed from the water, Obviously, a lot of the water was absorbed into the sediment, so some of the water was removed with the sediment. Which means that if you find the same volume, it must be that some wine was added to the water, just like water was removed from the water. And therefore, if you, see, if you find the exact same volume, according to Yehuda, you do need to assume that at least a third of that water is wine. And the reason why it's the same volume is because some of the water was removed together with the sediment. And the Mishnah ends off that everybody agrees that Motza Yezak Demidasai, if you find more Temed than the water which you added, so then certainly it's obvious that wine was added to the water. And so if you can be sure that at least a third of the Temed is wine, then of course you will be obligated in Maestras. And the Mishnah says that in that case, you don't need to separate Maestras out of doubt. Rather, you're definitely obligated to because it's clear 
that this is considered to be wine. And so, you can even separate the tithes from somewhere else, from other wine on behalf of this wine, according to the amount which you need to do. And what that means is that in general, if you've got some produce which you're not sure whether you need to tithe it, and you've got other definite tevel produce, one is not allowed to separate tithes from the tevel produce on behalf of the possibly tevel produce, in case it's not actually tevel. But over here we are saying that this is considered to be definite tevel, and therefore you are even allowed to separate tithes from other tevel wine on behalf of this wine.